Kevin, I also want to get your thoughts on this timely story um, just to, you know, you're on business casual, so we're going to have to talk a little news. So <laughs> after the uh, New York City School District banned Zoom as a web conferencing platform due to some privacy and security concerns, this week the ban is now being lifted. So New York City and its different schools can now use Zoom again as a web conferencing tool. Uh, the New York City Department of Education was concerned about the safety of virtual classrooms, um, how many controls or lack of controls there were for meeting hosts and moderators, the big one being Zoom bombing, where people were guessing codes and passwords and jumping into Zoom meetings, and then uh, you know displaying uncouth, not safe for work content on their screen. Um, this drew the content or the concerns of uh, the FBI. They issued some warnings. Uh, some demands for privacy were given from the New York Attorney General. Uh, so definitely some high-profile attention. Uh, resistance to the ban actually came from educators and students, though, who were concerned about making a platform shift to a different web conferencing tool already so late into the process on top of all of the digital uh, adaptation everyone's already having to make, it felt like we don't need extra layer of, oh, now you're making us switch platforms as well. So, Kevin, what are your thoughts on the initial ban and on the response uh, from New York City, from Zoom, and from the educators? Yeah, Daniel, it's a perfect example of what I was just mentioning in terms of industry stepping up. So uh, right as things began to take shape, um, Many providers, you know, Zoom included, said, you know what, hey, everybody, use it for free, check it out, you know, and, and we'll figure out a payment later on. Uh, and that was a good thing. It got everybody out, and specifically in New York City schools, the ability for them to go out and, and touch the students. And then we found everyone beginning to mess with it, right? And I even will admit to a little bit of that myself in some Zoom meetings and messing around with my backgrounds, and uh, it's... It's a tempting tool to uh, to play around with. So you have to know New York City's schools to understand that they really can't necessarily implement anything. They can only really kind of stop people from doing stuff. There are over one million students in New York City schools, which is the same number of kids in the entire country of Finland. Each school has different technology setups. It's not that they're all going through some sort of giant New York City portal. So each, uh, you know, each school uh, underneath, the, they have particular school boards in each of the boroughs, and there's multiple layers of bureaucracy. Uh, long story short, it's a bit of a mess. Um, I think the positive to come out of this is, is that when the, they stepped in and did the ban, Zoom stepped up and talked with the attorney general and started to address some of the things that needed to be done. So now when New York City schools are using Zoom, they have a waiting room. You have to go in. Before it was willy-nilly. You could just send the link to whoever you wanted to and people would send it to their friends. And uh, you know, then also there were uh, unscrupulous hackers jumping in and knowing how to do that. Now it's been tightened up. Um, it should be easier for the teachers to manage their classrooms online. Uh, but they can also still use um, Google Hangout or they can use Microsoft Teams. They're, they can still use, they have a choice of what tools that they can use. So I, I really think it's a redemptive story about how of Zoom as a company 
reacting in real time, and which is what we're all kind of really doing here, building the airplane uh, while we fly it. What are your thoughts on how the relationship between web conferencing platforms and the education system uh, might continue to evolve uh, and address each other's concerns? Do you feel like that's going to be a positive relationship moving forward? Is it going to be one with continued disagreements on uh, how the two systems should interact, whether they need to interact at all? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm desperately trying to be glass half full <laughs> with with everything, uh, including this. And I know I've been watching uh, my own behaviors with web conferencing uh, improve uh, and become more um, sophisticated. I have three uh, beta testers here uh, in my in my home studio. <laughs> I have a, a freshman in college and a sophomore in high school and, and an eighth grader. And they're each experiencing different, um, you know, different things when it comes to uh, using these things, and they're figuring it out, right? Uh, you have, if you have a smaller class, it seems that the web conferencing kind of works. <clears throat> if you get over twelve kids in a class, forget it. You have to start to set up new rules about raising your hands, just like you did in traditional setups. Um, you look at it and you you think about. Uh, University of Texas intro to psychology class might have, what, 550 kids in it? <clears throat> That's not going to work anymore. Uh, the sage on the stage is, is not going to work this way. Uh, but maybe we'll find some, we will find some workarounds uh, and ways to best adapt to, you know, this new reality. Kevin, can I can I ask real quick just uh, about uh, one of the things that's been d discussed um, and, and maybe this situation has kind of exacerbated an issue that was already kind of underlying and that being the what's been referred to as the homework gap or the ability yeah. of, of maybe some lower income uh, communities not having quite the same access to uh, to high speed Internet and things like that. Um, and, and that kind of causing a problem for uh, certain portions of the of the broader community. So have there been any. Uh, have you seen any, uh, I suppose, advancements in that way or, or trying to find ways to, to make sure that those students don't fall behind and still have the same opportunities as maybe other students that have more access to high-speed internet? Uh, to be honest, at this moment, no. Mm. Uh, the, the only advancement I've seen so far is a realization that there are a large number of students in the United States of America who do not have internet access at home. And that is a crime in, in 2020. It's an absolute crime because the internet access is as essential as electricity or running water to be a functioning member of society. So because of this pandemic, that I, I believe that has shook people awake. Um, you see major uh, telco providers, uh, Comcast, Verizon, um, have all upped their um, particular strategies where, you know, hey, they used to charge $10 a month if your child was on, um, you know, free or reduced lunch at, at your school. Now it's free. Um, they're also real. Those companies are also realizing that they may be able to upsell some of these services to districts. So why not make it free to everyone? Um make it a universal uh, access issue. Um, so right now, that's the, that's the key. What I've noticed is, again, you know, you have 
wealthier school districts or you know um, you know wealthier higher ed institutions have pretty much made a seamless transition if they weren't already doing these things already. Most of the students uh, were able to probably using a, a Google uh, Classroom sort of platform where they were. I mean, I was, my my own kids they were already submitting their homework through Google Classroom. So my, when my daughter came home, she's a freshman at Fordham University in the Bronx. Her her academics really didn't change that much. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of the social aspects that weren't there. Uh, but for the for other districts, other less advantaged districts, it's been print out these sheets, scan them, send them back, and that is just not a way to learn, especially remotely, especially if you have four kids in a two bedroom apartment. So those things are gonna need to be addressed, you know, starting as soon as the fall. Right. All right, Kevin Hogan, thank you so much for joining us on Business Casual, giving us these thoughts. Uh, we'll definitely be sure to get you back on for some more focused ed tech insights. But till then, we're looking forward to your next pieces of content on marketscale.com. Great. Thank you, Daniel. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries. 